today and uh, and typically if you if you've been here before you know that maybe after the sermon uh, do do some announcements just give you something before uh, we before you leave I want to do that right now at the front actually if you could turn those down because I think my retinas are on fire from those wow okay thank you um, you know, uh, we, we've had a lot of questions throughout our preview services, people asking, hey, Mark, how can we volunteer at Summit? How can we be a part of Summit? How can we grow at Summit? And, and I want to answer that question. Let me just tell you just real quick, um, if, if you stick with us, if you're here and you stick, uh, stick with Summit, let me tell you how you'll grow uh, as a believer, as a Christian, because God wants to save you and he wants to change you. He wants to work in your life, cause you to grow. Let me tell you how that'll happen for you at Summit. Really, it's in three ways. The first is by coming to Sunday morning service. Uh, we've, we've already seen God save people in our Sunday morning services, and so we figure if God can save people in our Sunday morning services, He can also grow people in our Sunday morning services. He's done that with Ronnie and with other people. So come into this. Another thing is what we will call life groups. Life groups are small groups that we'll have, and we don't have those right now. We hope to get those started next year. You'll get more info about that. But the third way, and listen to me, this is so important, is to serve. Uh, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to serve, uh, to be served, I came to serve. And you can see on, your, uh, on the uh, bulletin that we give you, there's a little uh, invite card or a little guest card that's there. It's got a perforated tab. You can fill that out, tear it out. There's a part of that where you can check that you want to volunteer. And listen to me, serving uh, is one of the best ways for God to use you uh, to get involved here at Summit and to grow. And so if you're here, you're checking us out, you say, you know what, I want to be a part of this. When you fill that out today and you leave, we've got a free gift for you if you're a first-time guest. But when you leave today uh, and you fill that out, check volunteer. If you want to serve uh, in guest services, kid, Summit Kids, any of our uh, ministries, just check volunteer and we'll get in touch with you and we'll get you plugged in so that you can grow. All right? Let's, uh, let's pray, and we're going to jump in. Let's pray, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for everybody that you brought here. And God, I pray for them. I pray that, God, you would speak right now. Because, God, I know you're already at work. God, I know you are already on the move today. God, I know that as people got up to come to Summit, and God, as we've sang songs this morning, God, you are already working. God, there are people who came here today they are looking for answers. Their life is broken. They know that they need you. There are people who are here today and they used to have a really vital walk with you, but they've strayed away and today you're bringing them back. God, there are people who have been here, they've never been a part of a church before in their life. And God, you brought them here today to check this out, something new, something different, because you want them here. God, we just pray that you would move and that you would do more than we could ask or imagine. God, give me the words to say and I thank you that, that I'm not up here alone, but that you are with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before uh, before my, my wife and I, before my family, we moved back here to start Summit. I'm from Hazard. She's from Prestonsburg. We're, we're from this area. Uh, but before we came back here to start Summit, uh, I have, uh, we've been in western Kentucky. 
Western Kentucky for four, for four years uh, before this, and I was a pastor of a church in Western Kentucky, and really uh, specifically in a town called Salem. Salem's a really small town. And so we were there, and I was a pastor of a church in Salem for four years. And when we moved to Salem, we didn't know anybody in the town, really small town. We didn't know anybody in that town. We didn't know anybody in the church we were going to be a part of. We didn't, we didn't know anybody. We just moved there, moved into this new house and tried to get settled in. And, and if you've ever moved into a new house or, or if you've ever moved at all, you know what that's like. It's really hectic and you get all of your stuff in and then you, you try to get adjusted. And so that's what we did. We moved in. We were in this new area. We didn't really know anybody. We moved everything into this new house and that's what we started to do. We tried to get adjusted. And, and it wasn't too long, though, that we were there, and, and all of a sudden, something really strange started happening to us when we, uh, when we hadn't lived there long. We started, getting, uh, we started getting these phone calls, and they would come uh, actually very regular. They would be regularly, we would get these phone calls at all hours of the day from people we never knew, but looking for a guy named Bubba Hunter. Right now, now Bubba, now, now you know we've got a Bubba, Bubba that plays bass here. Uh, is we've got our own Bubba. There he is, just walking in the back. It's not the Bubba that uh, that we've got here with us. There's all kinds of Bubbas in the world. This was a different Bubba. All right, but they're calling us and they're looking for a guy named Bubba Hunter. And the phone calls would go like this. They would they would call us up. The phone would ring, and my wife or I we would answer the phone and we'd say hello. And then all of a sudden, somebody on the other end of the line would say something like this. They would go just like this. They'd say, yeah, let me talk to Bubba, please. And so the first time that happened, we, we, uh, well, there's, not, there's no Bubba that lives here. There's no Bubba that lives here. And, and, and a lot of the times, most of the time, this would be the response. We'd say, well, there's no Bubba that lives here. This would be the response. Well, are you sure? Well, I was confident that we had not named our daughter Bubba. I was confident that it wasn't the cat's name. It wasn't our son's name. There was nobody in the house named Bubba. And so we said to them, yeah, we're, we're sure there's no Bubba that lives here. But, but it, didn't, it didn't help. They would call and they would call and they would call looking for Bubba. And, and the, worst one, the worst one ever, here's the worst one ever that ever happened for us. At 2 o'clock in the morning. Let me say that again. At 2 o'clock in the morning. All right. At 2 o'clock in the morning, the phone rings. And, and, and I, the phone rings, and you know, you're probably just like me. When the phone rings and it's that late, what do you think? Something's wrong, right? Something's happened. And so, so the phone rings, I look at the alarm clock, it's 2 a.m. And so I get this feeling in the pit of my stomach, oh my goodness, something's happened. And so I grab the phone real quick and I say, hello? And sure enough, there it is. Yeah, let me talk to Bubba, please. And I said to myself, it is 2 in the morning. And I told him, it is 2 in the morning. Bubba does not live here. Are you sure? I'm positive. There is not a Bubba in my house. And I promise you, this is exactly what they said next. Well, I'm looking for Bubba because I, just, I want to tell him what I just killed. Now listen, listen, listen. See, that's proof right there that they didn't know me because if they would have known me, they would have known that I don't care what they just killed unless it was a person, then I'd be interested in hearing that. But they, if they would have known me, they would have known I'm not interested in what you just killed. But it just didn't stop. It just kept going on and on and on. They would call us and they were convinced 
that I was Bubba. Or they were convinced that he was there. And the whole time what had happened was they got my identity wrong. See, and because they got my identity wrong, it determined how they talked to me. It determined how they thought about who I was and how they could interact with me. And see, today we're, we're in the third part of our series, U2.0. We started this actually in our first preview service in April. And the idea in U2.0 is that God loves you too much to leave you where you are. God loves you too much to leave you where you are. We talked about in uh, April, we talked about how God wants to change you and make you into a different person. And so we talked about what it means to be born again. And then last month, we talked about a vision for your life, that God's got a vision for your life that's bigger than anything you could imagine. He wants to use your life and do things through you more so than you could ever think or dream. And He doesn't want you to settle for a small vision. And today we're talking about identity. Because listen to this. Your identity will determine how you act and how you think. See, when I talk about identity, what I don't mean, I don't mean your name. I don't mean your social security number. I don't mean anything like that, that maybe somebody would try to steal your identity and use it against you. That's not at all what we're talking about this morning. When the Bible talks about identity, what the Bible means when it talks about identity, what it means is what you build your life on. What defines you? Where do you find your hope, your comfort, your securities, your happiness? What makes you you? What are you building your life on? And so let me ask you a question this morning, just as we're getting started. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what that is? As you're sitting here this morning and you're in the room, do you know what that is? Do you know what you're building your life on? Do you know what defines who you are? Because listen to me on this. Everybody in the world defines themselves by something. Everybody in the world is building their life on something. It doesn't matter. You came into the room today, you're an atheist, you don't believe in God, or you came and you're really searching, seeking out truth. You're building your life on something. If you're a Christian, you're here. If you claim to be a Christian this morning, listen to me. You are building your life on something. And listen to me, Christians, listen to me. You should not assume that the thing you're building your life on is Jesus. You shouldn't assume that the thing you're building your life on is Jesus because truth be told, there were Christians in the room this morning. Here you were. You were singing earlier the great lyrics. We were singing that awesome song that, Lord, you are better. You are better than all I have. Truth be told, there are Christians in the room. You were singing that, and deep down you were thinking, man, if I only had a better job, everything would be okay. If I only made more money, then I could be happy. If I only had fill in the blank then I'd be okay. See, what I want us to understand this morning, I want us to understand that Jesus wants to get His hands into your life and change you at the deepest level of who you are. Your hopes, your dreams, your fears. He wants to get His hands into your life and make you into a completely different person. And so what we're going to see today, we're going to see a guy that Jesus was working in His life that way. We're going to be in a really short book of the Bible called Philippians. And so if you've got your own uh, copy of the Bible, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Philippians. If not, don't worry about it because the words, there they are. Most of them are up there. They're going to be on the screen for us today. You can just follow along that way. What's happening here, though, in the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians is written by a guy named Paul. 
And Jesus was working in Paul's heart at this deep level. He's changing him. He's making him into a different person because Paul, we're going to see, is a guy that has everything that people would typically define themselves with. But what we're going to see, he refuses to build his life on those things. He refuses to find his comfort and hope and happiness in those things. Instead, he's going to find it somewhere else. So let's check this out. We're going to read these verses. We're going to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. And again, they're, right on, right, they're going to be right there on the screen, so you can follow along with me. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, this is Paul writing here and he's inspired by God and maybe those first couple of verses that we read, they didn't make a lot of sense to you. Right, Because there we started in verse 4, and Paul is talking about, I've got reason to boast in the flesh. And all of a sudden, he starts going through all of these things that he's done. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, he's a Pharisee. So you're reading that, and you say, man, that doesn't make much sense to me. What in the world's going on in those verses? Here's what's going on in those verses. When Paul says, if anybody else thinks they've got reason to boast, I've got way more reasons to boast. If anybody else thinks they've got reasons to brag, I've got way more reasons to brag. Because here's what Paul does. What he does in those first couple of verses, essentially, Paul's just laying out his resume. He's just telling you about his credentials. He's just telling you about his past performance and his achievements. And here's what we see. They were extremely impressive. Extremely impressive. When you read those first couple of verses there, when Paul talks about his past accomplishments, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's a, a teacher of the Pharisees. Read there, when you read that, read there a guy that has climbed the corporate ladder. Read there a guy that has made it. Read there a guy that is the epitome of success. I mean, here's a guy, he's got financial security, he's got status, he's influential, and along with that influence, that's the way influence typically works, along with that influence, a lot of praise, a lot of respect was coming at Paul from his friends, from his family, from his peers. And so when you see Paul at the beginning here, what we see about Paul is Paul is a who's who. He's influential. He's got his act together. He's climbed the corporate ladder. Everything that most people would build their life on, he's got it. But then he does this crazy thing in, in, uh, in verse 7. Look at what he says. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of... Of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul says, whatever gain I had, and there's a ton of gain in, his, in what he used to do. There's a ton of gain in his previous accomplishments. 
But he says, listen, whatever gain I had, I'm counting those things as loss. Those things are worthless to me now. And here's what, he's mean, here's, here's what he means. Those things will not define who I am. I am not going to find my comfort and my hope and security in my job, in my status, in what I do. Paul says, I'm going to find it in Jesus. I'm not going to build my life on my career or anything else, Paul says. I'm going to build it on Jesus. And so here is Paul, and, he, and he's got everything that everybody in his day would have hoped for, would have wanted, and he looks at it and he says, so what? It's worthless. I'm not going to build my life on that. Think about today. Think about today. What are some things that people typically build their life on today? What are some things that people tend to build their identity on, place their comfort and hope and value on today? What are they? Well, I thought of three. I thought of three. Here's my three. First one I thought of is performance. Performance, right? Think about this. You meet somebody new. You meet somebody new. You get their name. They get your name. What tends to be the next question you ask or they ask you? What tends to be the next question? What do you do? So what do you do for a living, right? And have you ever noticed that sometimes, have you ever met somebody and just for, you don't even know them, but just from hearing from what they do for a living, all of a sudden your respect for them goes up a little bit, right? You ever met somebody like that? They tell you what they do and all of a sudden you respect them more. You don't know them, but just based on what they do, you respect them. What do you do? People tend to build their identity, build their life, their hopes and their dreams on their performance, their job, their ability to make money. Their ability to provide, how much they've climbed the corporate ladder. Maybe you're here and you're too young for something like that. So maybe you're building your life on your athletic ability. Everybody at school knows you're the top jock. Everybody in, at school knows you're the all-star. And you're, all your hopes, all your dreams wrapped up in the fact you're the all-star. Maybe it's not sports. Maybe it's academics. You're the top of the class and everybody knows it. And you love that everybody knows it. Performance. Maybe it's not your job. Maybe it's not anything like athletic ability or, or, or grades or anything like that. But maybe you're here and you live for the opinion and approval of other people. You do things or you don't do things based on how you think other people may respond. Right? Well, I can't say that. They may not like me. Some of you are here, maybe you've got the reputation of being a yes person. Oh, they're so sweet. Oh, they always say yes. But really, you're just afraid of what people will think about you if you say no. Because their opinion of you is the most valuable thing in the world to you. Performance. Here's one. Number two. Second thing people tend to build their life on is morality. Morality. Being a good person. I mean, did you notice that everything that Paul talks about here at the beginning... All of these things in the first couple of verses that we read, I don't know if you were tracking with this, everything in those first couple of verses were religious things. Religious things. He was a good person. He had kept a bunch of rules. He was extremely religious. And he says, that is worthless to me. And I love that we're bringing this in. I love, I love on Ronnie's testimony video there at the front, you saw that what God used to grip Ronnie's heart in our first service was simply the thought that your goodness is not good enough. Did you know that? Your goodness is not good enough. Maybe you're here and, and you think this way. Maybe you're here and you think this way. When you stand before God, because there's going to be a day when that happens for you, right? There's going to be a day when all of us are going to stand in front of God. 
And you're thinking of that moment this way. When I stand before God, I want to be good enough to pull that out. I'm going to be good enough to impress Him. I'm going to be good enough to blow Him away by how good I kept the rules. Listen, here's what we see from Paul. Paul was a good guy that needed to be saved from his goodness. Oh, friend, listen to me. If, you, if you've been asleep the whole time, you ate too much donuts out there, so now you're just stuffed and you're going to sleep. Listen to me here, I hear. Your goodness is not good enough. See, you will always find somebody that when you compare yourself to them, it, you come out looking pretty good, right? You know what I mean? When you compare yourself to some, you can always find some person at work that when you compare yourself to them, you look good. In your neighborhood, makes you look good. At school, makes you look good. You can always find example of people, examples of people that when you compare yourself to them, you look like you've got it all together. Maybe it's not even somebody you know. Maybe it's somebody that you've seen on TV. Well, you know what? I'm not a good person, but I'm not as bad as Osama bin Laden. Way to go. Congratulations on that. Your goodness is not good enough. And Paul says, listen, I was a good person, and I've, it's worthless. I needed to be saved from my goodness. Here's one, last one. People tend to build their life, their identity, their hopes, and their dreams, and their fears on their past. And listen to me on this. As a pastor, I've been a pastor for a while now before this and at other churches. This is the number one issue that people, people come and talk to me about. I guarantee there's somebody in the room today that the way that you look on, about yourself, the way you think about yourself is determined by something that happened to you in the past. Somebody did something to you. This happens to me all the time as a pastor. This is a conversation I have regularly as a pastor. Mark, I was sexually molested when I was little. And listen, in a crowd this size, that is, that is somebody's past here. Something happened to you at some point in your life. Somebody did something to you. Or maybe you did something. And you came in here this morning and it just shapes the way that you think about yourself. You, you walked into the room. You, you're convinced you're stupid. You're convinced you're never, you're never going to amount to anything. Why? Because your parents told you that your entire childhood. And you walked into this morning, and your past, you look at it, and you just wish that you could shake it. You wish that you could be rid of it, and it wouldn't define you anymore. And listen to me, if I'm talking to you here, I want to get your attention. I just want to take a time out and say that if you're here, and this is an issue for you, that you cannot get past your past. Listen to me when I tell you that when Jesus went to the cross, that thing that you did or was, or was done to you, He took it to the cross with Him. And listen to this. When he came back to life three days later and left the tomb, that thing in your past stayed in the tomb. It didn't come out with him. It's dead and gone and taken care of. He has forgiven that. He has moved on. And you can too. It does not define you. You don't need to wish you are set free. In Jesus, you are set free from your past. So maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I still don't get it. I still don't know what, what, what am I building my life on. I still don't know how to figure this out. Let me give you this. Let me give you one question. One question you can ask yourself this morning. And, and answer this to yourself. Don't answer this out loud. Here's one question you can ask yourself this morning. And this one question is going to help you figure out what are you building your life on. Here it is. Don't answer this out loud. And let me say this. The first thing that comes to your mind is the right answer. Okay? I know we're at church and you're supposed to be really spiritual. 
Okay? I know that. I know when you see people at church and people ask, how are you? You're supposed to say, well, I'm blessed and too blessed to be depressed. You're supposed to act real spiritual. Don't. Don't act real spiritual. Okay? Because listen, the first thing that comes to your mind here is the answer. You may wish it was Jesus, but the first thing that comes to your mind with this question is your answer. Here's the question. What is the thing in your life that if you lost it, you don't think you could go on? That's your answer. That's your answer. The first thing. What's the thing in your life that if you lost it today, you don't think you could go on? Whatever you thought of, that's your answer. For some of you, it's your kids. It's your kids. For some of you, maybe it's your job. For some of you, it's your health. You say, Mark, what's wrong with those things? Listen to me. Nothing is wrong with those things. But typically, here's what we do. We tend to take good things that God brings into our life and make them ultimate things. Biblically, in the Bible, this is what's called idolatry, right? Idolatry. Idolatry doesn't mean that in your house you've got some golden calf that you bow down and you pray to. It just means that a good thing God brought into your life, it became an ultimate thing, and now you live for it instead for God. And so for some of you, it's your kids. And listen to me on this. Kids, kids are great. I've got three, I recommend it. But kids make a lousy idol. Kids make a lousy thing to live for, right? Let me tell you, some of you are like, I'm not convinced that's true. Let me tell you why that is true, because here's why. Kids will bite you. Amen? Listen, I've got a little girl. She's barely a week old. I will not make that little girl my idol. And here's why. Because she has already peed on me. No. No. She has already done that. So I'm not going to worship something that can pee on me. I'm just not going to do that. Some of you, it's your kids. It's your job. It's your health. It's your fill in the blank. What is it? What is the thing in your life that if you lost it today, you don't think you could go on that is what you're building your life on. That thing. And so maybe you came into the room this morning and that thing that's in your heart, man, God is doing something in the room right now. He's doing something in your life. And that thing that you're thinking about that just popped into your mind, it wasn't even on your radar. But see, what's happening in your life right now is the Holy Spirit, because He loves you this much, He's taking His finger in your life and saying, listen, that's too big. That's too big. That's a good thing I brought into your life, but it shouldn't be at the level it is for you. I should only be at that level. It's too big for you. See, what I wish that I could say to us this morning, I wish that I could close the service out by giving you some magic formula where all you need to do is pray a prayer and then you'll love Jesus perfectly and you'll never blow it. You'll never mess up ever again. I wish I could do that, but you know what? I can't. I can't. See, I love the next verse. This is not going to be up on the screen, but I love what Paul says in verse 12. Listen to this. Not that I have already obtained this, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Here's what Paul means. When he says, I haven't obtained this yet, what's he talking about? He's talking about the struggle to place his hope in Jesus and not his past achievements. He's talking about the struggle to build his life on Jesus and not anything else. And so what Paul says is this, every single day I've got to lay down everything in my life that tends to be too big, that wants to take the place of Jesus. I've got to lay down my past achievements. I've got to lay down my accomplishments. I've got to lay everything down every day that wants to take the place of Jesus. And so my invitation to you today is, what is the thing that today you need to start the journey of laying down? 
What is the thing that today, maybe God's revealed several things to you that are just too big in your life, or maybe it's one thing, but what is the thing in your life that God is telling you right now, hey, you know what, that is too big, you need to start laying that down. And listen to me, for some of you, that thing that you need to lay down is your life. Because for some of you, you came into the room today and you know you're not a Christian. If you died today, you don't know what would happen to you. You don't have any confidence that you're a Christian. You don't have any confidence that you would go to heaven. You don't know if your sins are forgiven. You don't know if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And so the thing that you need to do today, the thing you need to lay down, is your life. And today we're going to give you a chance to do that. So go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes. Every single person, bow their heads. Close their eyes. And I just want to ask you one question. What is God telling you to lay down today? What is it? Let me start this this way. If you're here and if you're... to stand up or anything like that. But if you're here and you know you're a Christian, you know that you're a Christian. But you said, you know what, Mark? God has shown me something in my life that I need to start laying down. It is too, it's a good thing, but it's an ultimate thing. I need to start laying it down. If you're here and if you're a Christian and you say, you know what, Mark? I know that's me. Would you lift your hand up right now so we can just pray for you? There's a hand right there. Two, three, four. Hands are going up all over all over. If that's you, just raise your hand up and we'll pray for you. Okay? Put your hands down. Anybody else? If you're here, you say, you know what? I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. But man, God is showing me something that's too big. i got to start laying it down. Anybody else? Man, tons of hands went up. If that's you, just pray. Oh, God, help me to lay it down. Help me to build my life on you and not that thing. But here's my second question, and this is it. I wonder if the thing that God is telling you to lay down is your life. I mean, do you honestly have confidence that if you died today, do you know what would happen? Do you know if you'd go to heaven? Do you know if your sins are forgiven? Maybe you're here and, and you know you're building your life on the wrong things. Listen, you weren't made to build your life on anything other than Jesus. And so today, if you want to know that you're a Christian, if you want to have confidence that your sins are forgiven, if you want to give your life to Jesus and live for Him, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And when you raise your hand and say, Mark, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved today. And if you want to do that, I'm going to count to three and you raise your hand. If you want to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know that I'm His. I want to be saved. One, two, three. Raise your hand. There's a hand, one hand. Anybody else, if you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, today is my day. Amen. There's a hand that went up. Maybe some other people are making decisions I want to pray for. Us. God, I know that you are, God, you are moving in the room today. And God, you love us too much to leave us where we are. God, I thank you that you brought all these people here. And God, I pray that you would make us into the people you want us to be. God, I pray for people who, who, who have said that they want to give their life to you. God, I pray that that new beginning, that fresh start would be evident in their life. Jesus, I pray for people who raised their hands and others who didn't. God, you know the decisions they're making. God, as we leave, don't let your work stop in our hearts. Continue to work in us. Transform us 
and use us to transform the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, hey guys, we do not take it lightly that you came today. We are so thankful uh, that you came today to be a part of our third preview service. And we want to ask you, uh, we want to ask you to do one thing. Here, well, we want to ask you to do maybe a couple things, but here's one thing I want to ask you to do, okay? Here it is. Come back. All right? Come back. We, got, we have one more preview service, July the 24th. We would love to have you come back. And listen to me. Some of you have been here for every single preview service. Others of you, this is your first time. If this was meaningful to you, if you liked this, if you said, hey, you know what, let's keep going to that. At every single table out there, there's invite cards. Take as many of those as you want and just start inviting your friends. Hey, man, you've got to come and check this out with me on July 24th. This is different. This is fresh. This is new. And I think it can change your life. And so you bring people with you. You take those. But we would love for you to come back. And take that bulletin, the uh, worship guide that you've got. There's a card in there. Fill that out. And if you're a first-time guest, we've got a free gift for you. When you leave today, we've got some people already at the table uh, ready to give you a free gift. It's the table to your left. And you're free to take anything on those tables. We've got green books for new believers. Anything out there, we want to give it away to you. We are so thankful that you guys came. You guys have a great, great Father's Day. All right? You're dismissed. Thanks for coming.